lesson I've learned over the last 12 months is the power of working with others. But as you said, it has its ups and downs. Welcome to the Toxic Fox Show, where I interview conscious business owners and entrepreneurs who give a damn about sustainability, ethics, health and wellness. You'll find tips, tricks and insights to inspire you on your journey. This is episode number 14 and it is sponsored by 7canaries.com.au and I'm Diana Barnett, your host. Today, my guest is in the eco-ethical fashion industry. Her name is Hannah Paris and she has two certified organic cotton brands. She's the founder of Audrey Blue and alongside Elena Antonio is the co-founder of Mighty Good Undies. Mighty Good Undies is launching late 2016 at the Berlin Ethical Fashion Show and leading up to the launch, they'll be actively promoting the brand. They have just launched a crowdfunding campaign, Switch Your Undies and Change the World, and they're using the Start Some Good crowdfunding platform. And already they've had media coverage from Huffington Post and the Daily Telegraph. They're also supported by Moral Fairground, Australian Ethical, Ethical Fashion Forum, and 110, the National Incubator and Accelerator for Social Enterprise in Australia. So, if you're ready to switch your undies and change the world, support the crowdfunding campaign. Details in the show notes. After you've supported the campaign, I'd love you to leave a review on iTunes. There is a link in the show notes. These reviews help us grow the community and connect you to other conscious business owners doing great things. Now, Let's head over to the interview. I started the conversation by asking Hannah, why organic and indeed why certified organic and fair trade? I don't come from a fashion background and my training and my professional experience before I started Audrey Blue and Mighty Good was actually in public policy and I actually have a PhD in public policy, sort of public policy. The way that I got to working with organic cotton was I looked at some of the great big changes we as a community have been making in our journey towards sustainability and we've been making fantastic progress improving our food chains, our energy sources, our transport choices and in you know our chemicals and our use of chemicals but we haven't made so much progress um, on the impact that our clothing choices make, both on the environment and on the people who make our clothes. And it turns out that the garments that we wear and our clothing choices has an enormous environmental and social impact. And from that sort of insight, I developed a very strong interest in organic cotton and organic and fair trade cotton. I really started with cotton because it is an extremely important crop to millions and millions of people around the world that grow it and the millions and millions of people who are involved in the processing of that cotton into garments. And it has an enormous environmental impact, firstly through its water use as well as its chemical use as well as the impact of genetically modified organisms which dominates the industry. And as far as I could see, organic cotton was really one of the few realistic responses to these impacts that could be done at scale. And it is being done at scale. 
And so, yeah. So my question, so just going there, is was there a moment that you went, oh, gosh, I've got to do something like this? Can you remember or was it just a slow process of education and suddenly going? Uh, yeah, well, sort of, a bit of both really. I was working in a public policy job being an advisor and it was a bit of a disaster and I hated it, <laughs> partly because I was so frustrated that the process of change through the public policy route was so slow. So I, I actually quit that job. I sat around for a month or two thinking, oh, my God, what am I going to do with the rest of my life? I've spent my entire life working in public policy. And from that, I started to do my research. And very quickly there, it came to an aha moment about, okay, cotton's really interesting. Let's see what we can do in this space. So why certified organic? I'm a really strong believer in certification because from a consumer's perspective, you can't tell the difference between a conventionally grown cotton product and an organic cotton product. So in order to trust, for the consumer to trust that they're buying what it says on the label, I really do think you need some sort of external verification. And really that means uh, using some sort of certification scheme. Otherwise, consumers really don't know whether they're what they're buying is really delivering what it says it is. All right. And was Audrey Blue the first certified organic cotton in Australia, um, manufacturer, or...? Uh, well, yes and no. So, no, there are other organic clothing labels in Australia, certified organic clothing labels in Australia, but we were one of the first to be certified under the Global Organic Textile Standard, which I think is the gold stand, the global gold standard for ethical and sustainable textiles production. And we were the first women's clothing label to be certified in Australia. But there are, are a couple of other certified labels as well. But there aren't many of us. I can think about Another two, three, maybe. Right. Mm. So what did you learn going through a process of being certified? How would you recommend uh, someone going, if someone wanted to go down that path, what would they have to do to prepare yeah. for it? So one of the advantages, I think, for being certified is because I'm a small company or micro company, I really rely on the certification process to ensure that my supply chain is as ethical and as sustainable as it can be. And I think what I learned through that process is that the standards are great, the external verification and the implementation of the standards is a really good thing, but they are only standards. They have their strengths and their weaknesses. And what's really important is the culture within the supply chain, whether the people who are involved in the supply chain really believe in what they're doing to promote a better way of production. And the certification system is really just their kind of, I guess, bow on the whole package to, to prove what they're doing which is what it's like in my supply chain, or whether the certification is really a tick-the-box in order to get more money, which I think is a really bad situation for a supply chain to be certified. So I think what people need to learn is why people are certified and what it means in their particular supply chain and also the strengths and weaknesses of that particular certification system that they're using. Mm -hmm. And um, is there any processes that can help someone go down that track? Is it a hard slog or is it... Because I hear people go, oh, it's really expensive and it's really difficult to get, so I'm not doing it. It depends on what they are. So the way I did it, yes, it can be expensive. It's a couple of thousand dollars. But I essentially found a supply chain that was already certified and already set up and I just talked into that. So that's a relatively easy way of getting into a certified supply chain. If you had to start one from scratch, it can be complicated 
and it can be quite an involved process to, I guess, establish the systems you need to demonstrate to an external party that you're doing the right thing. So Mm -hmm. I guess it depends on what situation you're in. But if you're just um, a label or a brand, particularly in the clothing sector, there are supply chains that are already certified that you can source from. Right. Um, Yeah. Okay. So it's not a, it's not as hard as it sounds. Right. Yeah. For me, it sounds quite daunting. So, <laughs> um, so if you're doing that, and something you said earlier was that you didn't come from a fashion background. So no. how did you go into fashion and design clothes and get all that happening? Um, I've designed some of my clothes. I've learnt the hard way by trial and error and many mistakes. Oh, my goodness, the mistakes I've made. But basically I have an idea, the way I design it, clothes. My brand philosophy is that I'm not design-led, I'm process-led. And I want to supply good quality basics to women and also with the underwear range to men that aren't high fashion. They're really clothes that are just everyday wearables. So there isn't a lot of really, I guess, cutting-edge design in what I do. So basically I have an idea of what I want to design and I take that to a pattern maker and work with them to develop patterns. Uh huh. Okay. So you mentioned that you've got two brands. You've got Audrey mm-hmm. Blue yep. and you've got Mighty Good. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So Audrey Blue, my understanding of where you're at at the moment is Audrey Blue is sort of on hold at the moment and you're really focusing on Mighty Good Undies. Um, yeah. Is that correct? Yeah, it was sort of on hold. I've um, I've just been through a major international move personal, for personal reasons from Australia to the UK. So um, managing that and managing the launch of a new brand has um, put Audrey Blue a little bit on the back burner. So essentially I've started Mighty Good Undies because I wanted to develop a brand that would would offer, I guess, a smaller and cheaper product for people to try out organic and fair trade cotton. And I'm looking at changing the direction of Audrey Blue into exploring um, other types of organic clothing, particularly organic wool. So I'm in the process of trying to revive that now that I've settled in a little bit over here in the UK. Right. Okay. So if we go to launching a new – well, there's a couple of issues that come up with in my (laughs) mind when I speak to you. The first is you're working out of the UK, but you've got an Australian partner for Mighty Good. Yes, um, who happens to be British, actually. But just to complicate matters, yeah, we've swapped countries. Okay. That's a nice little twist. Global, yeah, the global world these days, yes. Global world. Um, so you've got that. So how are you managing that in a startup phase? Two is you hear really good stories and really horror stories about partnerships, and you're in early days with this. But what have you put in place to ensure that, a, you can manage the relationship from afar and B, yep. you can manage the relationship so that you're both working together towards the good of the company and um, supporting each other. Yeah. I, with my partnership, for a very long time, I was very reluctant to work with anybody else on any of my projects and this is particularly the case with Audrey Blue and in retrospect, I think – that's probably not a good idea. I think the biggest lesson I've learned over the last 12 months is the power of working with others. But as you said, it, it has its ups and downs. And for me, the way my partner Elena and I 
So two things. The reason why I agreed to work with her, A, she has very complementary skills to me. So we know the strengths and weaknesses of each other and where our sort of areas are in pushing the brand forward. But more fundamentally than that, the reason why I decided that it would be a good idea to work with her is that we come from the same place in terms of our values and our objectives Mm -hmm. um, for doing what we're doing. Elena and I have sort of similar backgrounds, we've done different things in our lives, you know, we're not 23, Um, and we share very similar values in mm-hmm. our life yeah. and we have very similar attitudes towards what we want out of the business and out of out of this brand um, but also out of business in particular. So, you know, neither of us have any illusions about being multimillionaires in five months, you know, sort of thing yeah. that we know. You know, we have a similar attitude about how long this is going to take, how we're going to develop it, et cetera, et cetera. And, so working through these issues, we've developed quite a strong trust of each other and respect for our respective roles and our respective strengths. Okay, so what you've done is you've set up respective roles for each other and formalised yeah, that? We ha- yeah, we have. And we've developed a partnership agreement, um, which we actually haven't signed yet, I realise, but we have written it. And through that process of writing it, we've come to this understanding of each other. And I guess that's more important than when you've got a piece of signature. Yes. Whether you've got a signature on a piece of paper. Yeah. So have you? did you do that legally or just with each other, the partnership agreement? Uh, yeah, just with each other. I mean, I guess they are... I guess it is legally binding because it is formally written up. But yeah, no, we just did that that with yeah. each other. Okay, yeah. it's very for me very interesting to see how people approach this working together. Mm. And I'm I'm with you. I think that working two minds, you need a team to take a business forward. Yeah, and I think that's it's great if you can find the right people to work with. Um, and sometimes that involves actually asking each other quite hard questions about money, about responsibilities, about um, realistic expectations, you know. So we, we've had some, some difficult conversations about those things, but uh, it's actually been very rewarding. Yeah. Well, good on you. How we've worked through those things. Yeah. So in the afternoon, I wish I'd done it earlier. <laughs> <laughs> so just That's as a the matter short of it all. That's the learning from the last 12 months. Learning. Yeah. I wish you had have done it earlier. So just a quick question with that one before we go on to other parts of Mighty Good is how did you actually meet Helena? Oh, and I'm, how did you I'm come about to... talking about this? <laughs> um, I'm I'm just trying to remember now. I was speaking to somebody who I met through Facebook. So Facebook has a has a has a group called Sustainable Fashion Australia. Yeah. And there's a whole lot of eco fashion people get on there, and we will have a big talk and yak about what's going on. And I decided to meet up with some people offline. I was particularly looking for somebody who was a PR marketing person because that's my biggest weakness and I was just talking to somebody from that and anyway it you know was very 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 quickly apparent that we weren't the right match you know for various reasons she was a great person but she was just busy doing a particular project etc etc and wasn't set up to working with what I had in mind but she recommended Elena so she got us in contact yeah well, that's, that's yeah. Because I'm eternally very grateful to her, actually. <laughs> She's <laughs> a fabulous send, person. Send her a yeah. Christmas card every year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
You're listening to Hannah Paris, the founder of Audrey Blue and co-founder of Mighty Good Undies. This conversation is sponsored by sevencanaries.com.au and I'm Diana Barnett, your host. Now, on to Mighty Good Undies. Mighty Good mm-hmm. Undies is what they, it says it is, undies, yeah? Yeah. So tell me a bit about the undies, where they're made, are they available now at this point in time? And we're talking February, oh, no, we're talking March. <laughs> March I know. 2016. Yes. <laughs> um, scary stuff. It is scary stuff. And um, so they're available now. No? No. No, no, they're not. So Mighty Good is still in the startup phase and we're working towards a crowdsourcing campaign in the next month or two. And basically the idea is that we're going to run a crowdsourcing campaign to help raise the investment that we need to do our first production run and then those funds will also help us take Mighty Good to the Berlin Ethical Fashion Show and hopefully another show over in the UK as well. But the Berlin Ethical Fashion Show is the largest ethical trade show in the world. We're also using the opportunity of the crowdsourcing platform to just raise our profile more generally and even now we're starting to get some interest from people who might be interested in stocking it. But we're still probably, you know, six-plus months off before it will be available the retail. So really sorry, everybody, but you'll have to wait. Um, but if you want to track us, you can get onto our website and sign up to our mailing list or you can get and follow us on Twitter or you can follow us on Instagram or Facebook and put, get some I'll, updates of where we're up to. I'll put all the links in the um, show notes for them so we can do that. Oh, thank you. Yeah, yeah. thank you. So yes, talk, it's talk, a mighty good journey. A mighty good journey. <laughs> <laughs> How did you come up with the name? We actually engaged a brand specialist to help us um, develop the brand and the personality and that was a a learning experience for me because I wasn't quite sure what I was spending all this money on but it actually worked out really well and we're really pleased with the name. We're delighted with the name actually. It's It's a great name and it's lots of fun and you can do lots of things with it. So tell me a bit about the personality. The personality is, I describe it as fun and inclusive and bright and engaging and I always like to say we are going to be in the market offering certified fair trade and organic underwear for everybody and literally I mean everybody. We've got lots of different styles and we're going to have lots of uh, very wide size range as well so that everybody should be able to find something that uh, suits them in our range. Oh good. Mm. So with that where is it going to be manufactured Mm. and how have you decided on that one? So I'm going to be using the same supply chain that I've been using for Audrey Blue. So that's sort of the Chetna Raj Lakshmi supply chain in India. Chetna Organics is a cooperative organisation of farmers. That, oh, I think it's up to about 15,000 farmers that work throughout central India growing, excuse me, organic cotton and quite a bit of which is also sold as fair trade cotton. And then it's bought by Raj Lakshmi Cotton Mills who process it and then Turn manufactured into underwear for us. Mm-hmm. And your distribution, how are you planning to distribute? We're still working out the details, but um, online, we were def- we're definitely going to be doing that online. So we haven't set up a web shop yet, web shop yet, but we will be doing that. And we're also going to be working towards having retailers stock our products as well. 
Yeah, um, I, I don't I mean I'm not asking you to, at the moment too much to give away too much that might be competitive. Mm-hmm. But are you planning to go into distribution through places, large department stores, or through niche? Well, well, we're open to everything at the moment. I mean, the, the initial sort of push behind the mighty good idea was to was to develop a product that we could take to a large scale because it's my firm belief that unless we get organic and fair trade cotton widespread throughout the industry, we're not going to be making the changes that we need to see. So it really is designed and we're setting up the business to take it to scale, which essentially in Australia means large retailers. But So if there's any large retailers out there, love to talk to you, but we we really haven't got to that stage yet. Mm -hmm. And then pricing. How are you going to price? What's your pricing strategy and how are you doing that? So I won't go into too much details yet because it's still not finalised, but essentially our pricing strategy is to benchmark our prices against mainstream Australian brands. Yeah. There's one of the challenges that organic has is because it's done at such a small scale, the prices are much higher, whereas once you take it up to scale, you can really drive that price down and make the prices competitive to more conventional products. Mm-hmm. And that's when it starts to become a real choice for people when price is essentially taken out of the equation. Yeah. It becomes a more realistic option for people. Yeah, yeah. so people are not choosing. I mean, if you're going to the general public, you want them to choose it's not becomes because they're choosing organic only. So the research is showing, consistently shows that people are prepared to pay a little bit more for organic or fair trade products, but not a lot more. I think it's something like 10% more. So if you can get your organic and fair trade products around about the same amount or even just a little bit more expensive, then it becomes a competitive product and people are prepared to pay that premium for a more ethically produced item. It's when those items are double the cost then people start to think twice about whether yeah. they can afford to pay it. Mm. Yeah. Okay, that that's what I was trying to say. <laughs> you put the research in there, good on you. Thank you. Oh, yeah, well, look, you know, the irony is people ask me what my background is and I actually have a PhD in institutional economics. People go, what? <laughs> what was that? <laughs> so I used to have a whole lot of expertise in tinned tuna. Don't ask, it's a very long story. So, But essentially industrial supply chains. So, yeah, research is a big, big part of my background. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, so I know where to come to when I need some statistics on the organic market. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, now tell me, um, launching the new business, you're planning to launch it in six to 12 months onto the marketplace? Um, yeah. So the crowdsourcing campaign will be in the next one to two months. And then from that, um, you know, the physical sort of production will take probably up to another six months, depending on, on how we go. Right, so have you got any um, other ideas of what you're going to do to promote the product or wish to share at this stage or not? Um, no, not at this stage. We've got a few things up our sleeves and so it's a bit of a watch this space at the moment, but they're all pretty much under development and aren't ready mm-hmm. to talk about publicly yet, but they're exciting. They're exciting. <laughs> okay. Very excited about them, yes. So if there's somebody who wants to partner you in some way, will you talk to them? <laughs> yes, absolutely. We love partners. We would love to talk about what we're doing on vlogs, on other podcasts and all sorts of things where once you get me started about organic and fair trade cotton, it's hard to shut me up sometimes. Yeah. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) But have you got your mind on any partnering opportunities with other brands at this point in time? No, we don't, but it's something that we're actively considering. Yeah. 
Okay, well, so if anyone has out there has an idea about a partnership they'd like to consider with you, they can contact oh, please you directly. get in touch. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Yep. So on your journey, what would you have done differently besides taking on a partner earlier? I think I would have invested more time learning about the design process. People who aren't trained in fashion or haven't gone to fashion schools, I, I certainly have struggled and probably underestimated the design design process, absolutely, and that's where I think I've made quite a few mistakes. Mm-hmm. And what have you done really well? I think I've been really clear in why I'm doing this and being really true to my purpose and have, haven't really deviated from that and have been flexible in my tactics of achieving what I've wanted to achieve. So, you know, I've, I mean, Audrey Blue, I was having difficulties. My aim always is to scale up this ethical production and find ways of making it more accessible to people in a, in a more mainstream market. And, you know, I sort of realised with Audrey Blue that it's quite hard to do that with clothing because of the prices involved. So that was sort of really the, the initial starting point for developing the Mighty Good Undie brand. Yeah. So I think, yeah, I've done that that well. Yeah. I've stayed true to what I wanted to achieve, and if that means changing tactics, then that means changing tactics, and that's okay. Yeah. I must admit that I saw you at a pitch early or oh, late last year for mm. early startup pitch at the Ethical Conference, Ethical Enterprise yeah. Conference in Melbourne, and your pitch was really clear, your message was really clear, your passion was there, and everyone in the audience was just um, – they were very much – in awe of what you have to offer and what you were saying. So it was really good to see. So I, I oh, concur thank that you, you. your passion and your your purpose come through very clearly. Yeah. Oh, thank you. It's Thank you very much for saying that. Sometimes it's hard to um, to sort of step back and see what you're doing well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a, you know, I always fall victim to the being the own, my own worst critic. Oh, we so always. thank you for saying that. We yeah. always are. We always are. I have, that was a uh, fantastic conference. It I was, loved that conference. It was a fantastic conference. Yeah, the Ethical Enterprise Conference held by um, <laughs> Moral Fairground. Yeah, it was it was very good. And congratulations, you were the winner of the pitch competition Thank as you. well. So Thank you. Yeah. Yes. Just, um, I just want to end at the moment because I think what I'd like to do is come back to you and talk to you in six to 12 months about your mm-hmm. your launch experience and how you've gone and – what you'd do differently and how you did well Mm, on that journey because I think we've all got a lot to learn from that. But I'd like just to know what is on your bucket list for this year and going forward personally and business-wise? Oh, goodness, so many things. Um, From the business, uh, I guess there's two things. Um, First of all is to get Mighty Good launched and under production and to, to get it taking its first baby steps out of the crib that we're building for it and to nurture it into production and into retailing and into online sales. So that's definitely the the number one priority. I think the second thing that I want to achieve is really my new project, my new long ongoing, sadly at at the moment, slightly neglected project with Audrey Blue, which is developing an organic and fair trade cotton and woolen business suit collection for women, Mm -hmm. which is a really exciting project um, and is sort of halfway 
done through the design process, <laughs> but uh, that's been a bit neglected because of the move and because of Mighty Good. So those two things are really up there in terms of the business. Um, oh gosh, so many. So as I said before, my husband and I have just moved to the UK. We and we're needing to settle into our new lives. But I guess oh, my bucket list. I guess there's two two things that I really want to achieve personally. First of all, I have wanted to do this for ages and ages and ages and ages and ages. But to actually go and volunteer in a soup kitchen. I love cooking, absolutely adore it. I love cooking for lots of people. Um, I don't know many people in the UK and in London and particularly where I'm living in London. But one thing's very clear in this city is the level of poverty and inequality is gobsmackingly in your face and quite awful. Luckily, you know, to balance that out, there's also an enormous enormously wonderful community spirit around where I'm living, which is mm-hmm. sort of around the Brixton area. And so I really want to get involved in some of the soup kitchens and community kitchens around here. Yep. The other thing on my bucket list is to go to the Isle of Skye. I really love Scotland and I loved I love the Australian bush. I miss it very much. You don't really get that in London, central London. <laughs> so <laughs> Funny thing that, yes. I'm missing being out in the countryside, so I want to run away to Scotland. In oh. probably the middle of the year. So, yeah, I'm trying to get my husband's brain to being switched on to how we're going to do that. But, yeah, we'll work it out. Yeah. You'll work it out and I want to get a yeah. postcard. Thank you. <laughs> well, Sky also has his favourite Scotch distilleries there. So oh, it well. won't be too hard getting in there. So. No, no. I think you can take him there quite easily. <laughs> um, and also, finally, who is a mentor? Or who, if you had to choose one mentor in this world, who would it be? For somebody who was dead or alive, oh, gosh, so many people. I think, though, if I had to pick one person, it would probably be Martin Luther King. I think because he was fearless. He was somebody who knew the odds were against him. He was somebody who uh, was fighting against such hatred and such violence and such embedded discrimination that was you know, had its history, you know, hundreds and hundreds of years of history behind it. And yet he did it with such love and compassion and fearlessness. And I think those characteristics are something that I, I aspire to absolutely. He he would have been a wonderful mentor and I'm, he was a wonderful mentor to so many people and his life was such an inspiration. Yeah, it was indeed. Well, mm. on that note, I want to say thank you very much. It's time for you to go to bed. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you very much for staying up for the interview. Uh, My pleasure. And um, once you've launched and things are embedded a bit, we'll um, get you back on to talk about the next stage of your process with the Mighty Good Undies. Okay, that sounds fantastic. Looking forward to it, Diana. Thank you. Okay, thank you. You've been listening to a conversation I had with Hannah Paris, the co-founder of Mighty Good Undies. You'll find links to connect with her and her team in the show notes. I'd love to hear any tips, tricks and insights that inspired and motivated you during the interview. Some points I took from the show were, one, certification is an external verification that's very valuable. It provides transparency and gives consumers a layer of confidence. However, with every stand comes strengths and weaknesses. And what's really important when looking at your supply chain is to be clear about each member's motivation. 
Is it for transparency and credibility or is it for money? Please know who you're dealing with. Two, taking on a partner is fantastic. Make sure you both take the time to understand each other and know that you are both coming from the same place when it comes to values, objectives, expectations and attitudes. Have the difficult conversations and ask the hard questions. Three, be clear. Be clear on why you're doing what you're doing. Be true to your purpose. Don't deviate from that. But at the same time, be flexible and be prepared to change the tactics you use to achieve the goals. Hannah Paris can be found on Twitter and Facebook. Just search Mighty Good Undies or Mighty Good. If you want to ask her a question, just contact us below. Or you can leave a 90-second audio message on the website. To help spread the word about the awesome businesses making a difference to our world, my request to you is to please review The Toxic Fox Show on your preferred platform iTunes, Stitcher, whatever. Finally, my gratitude goes to Vince Jones for the music, to the team that helps me pull this together, to Hannah for coming on the show, and to you for listening and reviewing and subscribing. Thank you. Till the next episode, I'd like to say thank you to all the conscious business owners and entrepreneurs who give a damn about our world. Thank you. Thank you.